Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Welcome to Thursday morning, Rochester Today. T.O. is here, Tom Ostrom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. What's in the mailbag today? Branko, the satirical political cartoonist, uh, he drew a huge pig. And in front of the pig is a, a rhino, Republican, and a Democrat uh, donkey. Um, and uh, Branko has written on the huge pig, $1.7 trillion omnibus bill 2022. That includes $47 billion for Ukraine, $410 million for border security in Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Oman, and Ukraine, but none for the U.S. border. And uh, 2023 GOP uh, House agenda, minimal. We'll have to talk about the House chaos uh, and choose okay. it later. But uh, but that's uh, that's Branko's look at things. And then he's got another one. It shows the FBI, uh, an FBI agent suitably dressed in the uh, uh, dress suit and looking professional. And he's feeding into a machine Twitter files and marching orders to CNN, MSNBC, NPR, CBS, ABC, NYT, Washington Post, PBS, and Google. And the, and the f- paper he's feeding to them is f- Twitter files, don't believe, nothing to see here. We're not guilty of anything. What is the other term? Nothing burger? Yeah, nothing burger. <laughs> and then uh, I, I don't know if I s- sent you my... January column, but anyway, I, I will. Did you get it? Or did you get one? To be honest with you, I don't remember either. Okay, I'll have to resend it. I have okay. it in front of me that says well, I. But anyway, if you do send it. We can certainly get it in on this Saturday okay. morning, like normal. Okay. Well, it's politics, conspiracy theories, and issues, and my take on all of them, from the Ukraine to uh, election irregularities to Twitter releases and. Uh, uh, the, the, the things that uh, are concerning uh, on all those fronts, and uh, we'll get that to you. And uh, from Wayne on the mailbag, Republicans are not serious about fighting inflation. Uh, uh, yes, Representative Omar is not concerned about the treatment of women in Muslim countries, as you talked about. As you, no one asks her about it in the press, and she doesn't bring it up. Um, we should have kept minimum troop presence in Afghanistan. And uh, he said NATO had 6,000 troops there. Uh, only 3,000 were U.S. soldiers. And the threat of terrorism will escalate from this region, uh, one can be assured. And uh, from, uh, from, from Joe, the uh, congressional circus of these idiotic Republicans just blowing everything and uh, dividing the party up even more while the Democrats stay united and this business of the Speaker of the House voting and and Joe says, says this more GOP disunity against United Democrats the stupid party there seems to be a number of rules procedural concessions that dilute the integrity of the House 
It seems we are becoming like the Israeli parliamentary Knesset, uh, or are we starting to drain the Republican swamp now? But uh, there's just uh, just going out this business in in Washington is just ridiculous. That's that's the mailbag. Okay. Wow. Okay. We'll take a break then, and we'll be back. Rochester today, Thursday morning. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Family Service Rochester Mental Health May with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. I guess, Tom, what do you want to start the show with? Uh, Pete Hansen, uh, Town Square Media, had an article on the KROC News website about the uh, most dominant names across the nation, their ethnicities. I predict that the open borders will change that. We don't have time to do, go through all of them, but some uh, in the West, uh, Hispanic names are, are dominant. And uh, uh, in Iowa... The dominant names are Smith, Williams, and Johnson. In Minnesota, Johnson, Anderson, Nelson. In Wisconsin, Johnson, Smith, and Anderson. <laughs> traditional Scandinavian names and some uh, uh, German names, too. But, uh, again, I predict the open borders are going to change that. Well, you, you, know, you pointed out that to the West, the Hispanic names have, um, have uh, predominance, but... I would argue that that's nothing new. Have you? I mean, that was Mexico. That's right. When we when we absorbed Mexico after the uh, Mexican War, eighteen forty six forty eight. Yes, they were there first in that region. <laughs> well, in fact, the Indians were there first. The American yeah. Native Americans. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, I uh, have now uh, more than a few Mexican acquaintances, and they'll. In yeah. a friendly way, remind me that, well, sure. that's Mexico. <laughs> that's right. Well, they're a very contributing uh, element uh, in socioeconomics, in success, and uh, increasingly, evidently, becoming uh, red or Republican, given the issues of the day. And then uh, uh, Minneapolis uh, is bad, but St. Paul has significant crime and fatal shootings as well. And uh, Minnesota News said, with a woman's fatal shooting recently, St. Paul registers its 39th homicide for the year. I was going to bring you some crime stats that are truly disturbing. And the reason they're even more disturbing than have been in the past is because these numbers, uh, these were for 2022 in Minneapolis, are actually down from the previous year. And that, mm. uh, to me, that's what is scary about these numbers. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and this is out of a uh, KSTP out of the Twin Cities. So uh, homicide total, I think it ended up at 79 at the end of the year after getting off to a really, really fast start earlier in the year. Things moderated a bit, but still 79. That was 93 murders in Minneapolis the previous year. Mm. So not, you know, as far as numerical numbers are concerned, not a lot to brag about, but a 20% decrease. Mm -hmm. uh, carjackings, 
524 carjackings just in Minneapolis this year. Mm. Or last year. It's now 2023. It's going to take me a while to get shipped it over. 655 the previous year. Mm. Number of gunshots fired in Minneapolis declined from 11,563 <laughs> to just under 9,100. My number God. of number of gunshot victims. Uh, these are obviously not people who passed away, but 658 people were shot in Minneapolis in 2021, and that dropped to 544 this year. Wow. Number of robberies, almost 1,800 robberies in Minneapolis last year, and uh, that number was 20, about 2,200 in 2021. Wow. So they're making progress up there in Minneapolis, Tom, but boy, oh boy, those numbers are shocking. It is, but and with those numbers, you'd think there'd be more fatalities. And with those numbers, you got some clowns there that want to defund the police, and the police are short-staffed anyway there, and they can't possibly cope with or respond or solve all those crimes. The new Hennepin County attorney was sworn into office yesterday. Last name is Moriarty. And uh, so the previous county attorney was Mike Freeman, who had held the office for a long, long time. And uh, many had criticized him in recent years for being too lenient on offenders. Um, the woman who took over that office, elected office, uh, I would argue from her past writings and things she have said, would uh, make uh, Mike Freeman look like a hardcore conservative mm. as far as prosecuting crime. Uh, she's... Uh, expressed um, opposition to cash bail uh, and a lot of uh, it surprised me after what has been happening in Minneapolis and Hennepin County the last two years that the voters went and elected a person who appears to have I would say a defund the police person but I wouldn't say that she has actually proposed that but a lot of her uh, mm -hmm statements and writings align with people who have proposed defunding the police. Yeah, I just don't understand the voting in the Twin Cities was what's going on there. And I, I just wonder if liberal voters, left-wing voters, are not informed about the other side of the coin. They don't get that information. They don't know that information. I wonder if it's that simple. Or they ignore that information. Yeah, yeah. And how well, can they do that? Because they're targets too. It's become the national pastime, though. It has a time that uh, we only read or watch uh, news information programs that align with our philosophies. I'm not accusing you of that, but I'm saying in general, yeah, it seems that has become the practice because people um, either don't want to be challenged in their beliefs or um, just don't want to be bothered with the uh, entire debate over different issues. Yeah. And all that leads to ignorance or apathy. But uh, you and I study uh, both sides and more of the issues just by our responsibilities on the air. But it gets depressing. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. That, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was done with what I had to uh, say. Minneapolis physicians defend the gender transition for children. I read a Alpha News article, and most of these at the microphone are females. I just don't understand that either. Minneapolis doctors are uh, defending what they think is the moral and scientific legitimacy of child gender transitions. 
and puberty blocking and hormone therapy and surgical intervention. That came at a December press conference. Uh, Mayor Jacob Frey uh, was there, signed an executive order that protects the services and 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 those uh, those people. And uh, a family physician, uh, Kelsey Leonard Smith, said. Uh, and she's the director of the Family Tree Clinic uh, in a transgender health program. And she said, the science makes this gender affirming and the people who oppose it are ignorant, they're bullies, um, uh, they're, they're abusive. Uh, I just never thought that physicians would do that and be that way, but here they are. Uh, uh, and uh, they're criticizing those that oppose these things as deliberate uh, fear mongers and haters uh, and, uh, uh, now an executive with the wisconsin chapter of the american academy of pediatrics admitted that children who receive puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones probably will be infertile and uh, and some physicians have stood up against it but i think a lot of them have been intimidated uh, there and i just read this i wasn't prepared to speak about it but california Governor Newsom signed legislation that doctors who give misinformation or gave it on COVID or any criticisms of it will have their licenses suspended. I don't know how a governor can, first how a legislature passed that, how a governor can sign it and how constitutionally or judicially that is at all uh, allowed. Uh, he shouldn't have that kind of power to control the medical fraternity. And some doctors have said that you're intruding on our practice of medicine. But he, they're serious about that, punishing doctors who don't go along with their politics. I think that will be challenged in court. I, I don't see how it could possibly withstand a constitutional challenge. And also, this it goes back to the idea of established science, which goes against every single thought of science. Science is always supposed to be tested, constantly challenged. That's the very nature of it. That's right. Uh, if you were going, I mean, oh, it's done. We, we know all there is to know. We don't need to know anymore. This is all settled science. Yeah. Uh, how preposterous that even sounds. And it's interesting that according to your report that physician's response to those who would challenge the science that she is uh, arguing supports the uh, medical intervention on children um, resorts to calling her critics bullies and haters and mm -hmm. fearmongers mm -hmm. rather than presenting the science that she says supports their argument that this is necessary to do for these children. I've heard the argument. The argument is that it's going to somehow reduce suicides, that the these youth who are confused as to their sexuality um, are a lot more likely to take their own lives than uh, children who do not have these questions about their um, quote-unquote gender identity. Um, you could argue that the bullying, I, I don't know, but, it, but it, I found it interesting that in response that those who oppose me, those who oppose me in my point of view are bullies and haters. Mm -hmm. There's a little irony in that. There is. Well, the climate 
fanatics too uh, are that way. They say it's settled science, this climate warming. And of course, uh, that we're not warming to the extent they say, then they change the phrase to climate change. But scientists have been cowed too, partly because of funding access, but also fear of the mob. Okie dokie. Uh, well, we will note that uh, locally, the Olmstead County Board had their first meeting of the year yesterday, Tuesday, four new members of the Olmstead County Board. I don't ever remember a changing of guard that significant on the Olmstead County Board. And interestingly enough, the County Board doesn't get a lot of media scrutiny for a lot of reasons, largely because the county is an arm of the state government and the majority of its work is dictated by state law and state policy. Uh, but a lot of money flows through the Olmstead County government, uh, a lot of it state money, a lot of it federal money. Uh, and the, the folks who stepped down had been there for quite some time and deserve their retirement. But it'll be interesting to see how these four new members of the county board will shape things in the future. Uh, one of them being former state senator Dave Sunjum. Right. And he's had a lot of experience. I think she was on the county. He was on the county board himself. But oh, uh, he's city council previously. City council. That's right. Thank you. But she, uh, yeah, they've, they've got a lot of work to do in the town councils and everything else. And then. Uh, the mother of five who fought who fought uh, Governor Waltz on school COVID restrictions uh, heads to the legislature. Uh, she was interviewed by Liz Collins of Alpha, and her name is Dawn Gilman, and uh, she led a grassroots movement that pressured Waltz to reopen the schools and athletic programs, and uh, her movement grew to 25,000 members. Uh, and raised over a half a million dollars. And she said uh, now she's going to carry out the, her philosophies and try to help uh, young people get a good education and uh, uh, try to cope with the crime problem. But uh, she's an activist mom and quite successful and, and quite dedicated. And she's also uh, going to go after quality education issues and uh, all of that so uh, <laughs> but she'll, she'll be in the elected uh, to, to the congress or to the legislature and her name is don don d-a-w-n gilman and she is in the minority party at this point yeah. Right. both yeah okay we'll take a break then we have to news is up next we'll return with more of rochester today in a moment on news talk 1340 k-r-o-c-a-m and 96.9 fm there is no a Thursday morning. Tom Ostrom is with us. I'm Andy Brownell. Tom, what do you want to move to next on our list of topics? Okay. Um, the ex-Capitol police chief has, uh, in D.C., has uh, 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 spoken out and has uh, written publicly. Uh, he was forced to resign after the January 6th um, riots there. Uh, his name is Stephen Sund, and he said Pelosi uh, demanded his resignation when he asked for more National Guard troops there, and uh, uh, President Trump had asked more too. They, they, and the FBI knew from their uh, statistics that there were going to be demonstrations weeks in advance, and Trump said the National Guard should be called, and the chief uh, Stephen Sund said it. And Nancy replaced him. 
Uh, and the sergeant at arms who works under Pelosi or worked under her, uh, he capitulated and he, he told the Capitol chief that uh, Pelosi doesn't want the National Guard. It's bad optics. And so uh, there's some blame there that has to be pursued and has been covered up. And if you'll remember, gosh, a couple of years ago or a year ago, I mentioned a man named Ray Epps, who's a Texas rancher. And yes, he, I do remember that. And he was a, wore a MAGA hat and he was at the demonstrations and he opened up gates so people could get in and he was uh, 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 encouraging them to demonstrate and to get into the Capitol. Um, and uh, recently emails have been discovered that he admitted to his nephew that he was there to organize that and to get it going. And it was infiltrated by the federal uh, authorities, agents, and, and he was alleged to be one of them to cause the trouble. And his, his face was on the videos of people at the Capitol in the middle of it. And then it disappeared and the FBI never uh, interviewed him. And they were asked, the FBI was asked about that in Congress. Who is this man? Why is he not on your uh, video anymore? Have you interviewed him? Was he part of the federal uh, arm to stimulate this? And they asked the assistant director of the FBI, and she said several times, Congressman, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. Well, now there's new evidence. He, he emailed his nephew and said, I, I, I organized this. And I went there with my son, uh, and I want to see that police are protected. Uh, but the FBI has been asked about him and he's just disappeared from view and, and the FBI in the congressional hearing of Republican interrogators said, I can't answer that. But in his email to his nephew, does he admit that he was doing this on behalf of federal agents? Or is he just saying, I went there and did this? It doesn't say. He just says to his nephew, I organized it. Okay. Well, that and doesn't. Then he, then he wasn't pursued by the FBI, and they dropped him from their video, and they won't answer about him. And that. Okay. And so that makes people think others were there too that did it. Federal. You got your. You have your conspiracy theory hat on right now, right? You bet. You bet. <laughs> you betcha. All right. Well, um, here, here, breaking. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Here's how they phrased it: Breaking attorney for Ray Epps was an FBI agent for nine years. Democrats and the crooked DOJ have gone out of their way to protect mega hat wearing Ray Epps. Uh, who is he? What was his role? Why is the FBI silent about it? Was he an FBI informant in there? And uh, some pictures were taken too about several people that were dressed rather identically uh, in that sense. Uh, and and uh, it said the J6 Unselect Committee, they call it that, issued an 845-page report, and uh, Epps has uh, 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 texted his nephew, I was in the front, I orchestrated it. And uh, Republican uh, Representative uh, Massey of Kentucky said, we've been stonewalled by the witch hunt committee and by the FBI who will not respond to our questions. On to... A House Speaker fiasco oh, yeah. in Congress. <laughs> I want to hear your take, Andy. Well, I, I don't even know if I have a take. It, uh, 
other than this, I did read a letter to the editor. I think it was, I think it was Wall Street Journal. And <laughs> you're going to like this, Tom. This person raised the possibility that in the chaos that is occurring, that somebody could nominate Donald Trump as House Speaker. And as you have pointed out numerous times, <laughs> numerous there, times, there is nothing in the House rules that would prevent the former president from serving as House Speaker, even though he's not a member of the House. The House Speaker does not have to be a member of the House. Mm -hmm. And I read this and I just, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm sorry, because when you brought it up all these many months, I, eh, that's way off, way, way. And now with the chaos that's occurring, I'm going, well, maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility. Maybe it could come up during all of this. But yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what happens at the end of this process, okay? I, I know right now the optics aren't good on the Republicans. It, it looks like they're in disarray and don't know what they're doing. Um, and that may very well be the case. But at the same time, this is the democratic process. This is the way it works. If you have enough people within this group, which apparently has grown since they first started this objection to McCarthy, uh, to hold this up and... There has to be negotiations to win over this other side to come on board to support McCarthy or they abandon McCarthy and select somebody else. It's part of the process. It's the way things are supposed to work within Congress. Is it messy? It's messy as all get out. And it looks, and it looks really bad for the Republicans. But the, the truth is, and I, I can't say that this will be the case, but there is a potential that some good could come of this. Some of these archaic rules that are in place could be changed for the better as mm -hmm. a result of this, or they could be changed for the worse. I'm not yeah. sure which way this is going to go, but uh, I'm not, I'm not at all panicked about it. Okay. Well, uh, the trouble is uh, they could outfox themselves when it comes to voting because Democrats uh, uh, um, vote too. And if True. they slip up the representative Jeffries, who is an election denier, Democrat for, for Trump, uh, he could he could be elected. So that would really mess things up. But Representative Gates of Florida is leading it. Uh, he wants Representative Jordan of Ohio to be the speaker because Jordan has been the most effective fighter of the Democrats and corruption in the swamp. He's a formidable guy. He was a former wrestling coach at Ohio University, but he's articulate and he's brilliant. And he just uh, uh, he just stymies uh, Democrats and witnesses before him. And they say he's tough and he's always been tough and we want him in charge. And and uh, McCarthy has not been tough. He hasn't been active on election fraud. He hasn't been active on the Biden corruption. He hasn't been active on the swamp. And now he's starting to get tough and say, I'll, I'll have a rule where you can get rid of me if you want, if you elect me. And he's getting tougher. But uh, you're right. It's part of the process. But right now it makes the uh, Republicans divided when the Democrats, again, are not. And it could backfire uh, on them, and I don't know where they go from here. Jordan is favored, but he's, he doesn't want the job. He supports McCarthy because because he wants to head the Judiciary Committee that goes after the investigations of all these things, including the FBI. So, yeah, it does look foolish. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, 
but these these right wingers have criticized the rhinos for splitting the party, and now they're doing it. Well, that's a good point. But the party is split. I mean, it's, yeah. it is what it is. And maybe maybe this is part of the process to mend the fences. You have to have you have to have it out in the open. Maybe maybe you have to have the the big fight before you can actually sit down and mend fences. I I don't know. But it is, um, I mean, you bring up, I mean, I'm jokingly saying Trump could possibly be thrown into the ring on this, but maybe not so much. But I think there's actually a better chance of that happening than the Republicans accidentally voting for a Democrat. Well, they wouldn't necessarily accidentally vote, but it depends on who shows up to vote and who's sick and who's not, because it's a majority vote. And That's true. Yeah. I mean, they're fooling around could entrap them that way. That's my suggestion. Okay. So you're saying they're playing with fire. They are. But yet Gates now, but get to your point, uh, Gates, the leader of all this, said he'd rather have uh, a Democrat speaker than, uh, the, 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 than McCarthy. So what is who, that about then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a lot of respect for that man, to be honest with you. No, I don't either. So uh, uh, one thing I did read, too, that I'm going to throw this out here before we have to move on to a break, Tom. Uh, um, this was, again, a Wall Street Journal a suggestion. I think it was the editorial board um, that with all the Twitter files controversy, uh, which is not getting a lot of coverage by the quote-unquote mainstream media, that uh, the suggestion would that be that uh, a class action lawsuit be brought on behalf of not only the people who have been silenced on Twitter over the years, but on the people who would not have had the opportunity to hear those voices over the years because of the actions of the previous regime at Twitter, mm -hmm. as well as the other social media outlets that have been accused of the same practice due to the influence of federal officials, which has that allegation certainly has quite a mm -hmm. bit of evidence now mm -hmm. due to the lawsuit filed by Missouri and another state. And the lawsuit would be brought against those federal officials who were interfering in the process, the corporate process through Twitter, even if Twitter invited them to, uh, because that the argument would be their actions were unconstitutional. Well, that's a good point. Like FBI figures and uh, uh, the Justice the, Department figures, DOJ, yeah, uh, who are federal officials, and it's unconstitutional for the government to intrude on free speech, and they're part of the government. So your point's well taken. We'll see where that goes. And the argument, the legal argument, I guess there is legal precedent for this Supreme Court decisions that uh, extolling a private party to violate the Constitution is, once again, unconstitutional if it's done by a federal official. If yeah. a government official goes to a private party and asks them, urges them, coerces them, whatever it may be, to take action that would violate the constitutional rights of a citizen, it is the same as that federal official committing the act. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was an interesting legal play. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, I doubt it will happen, but we'll see. 
We'll take a break, Tom. We'll come back. More Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Only service Rochester mental health. With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It's Rochester Today. The last of it for today, of course. Uh, today's Thursday, right? Tomorrow, Tom, it'll be Mike Doherty, Mindot Mike. Mm-hmm. the Minnesota Department of Transportation on the program with myself. So uh, I'm sure we'd like you to tune in. On Monday of next week, the sheriff will be stopping by. So I look forward to that. Kevin Torgerson oh, just started out his, what, fourth term in office, I think? Wow. Well, he's a great yeah. he's a great lawman. Okay. Well, what do you have next? Well, China and Saudi Arabia. Biden's stupid policies have alienated uh, Saudi Arabia, a moderate friend in the Middle East. Uh, as as Muslim uh, nations go, and Saudi Arabia is partnering with China on energy and defense cooperation, defense issues, sliding away from U.S. influence. That's what Biden has done to our foreign policy. Um, and then in Japan, uh, had got away, gotten away from nuclear energy uh, because of a nuclear disaster several years ago, but because of the shortages of uh, energy in the winter weather. Uh, Japan is revising its energy policy. Uh, It's trying to get back to nuclear and fossil fuels. So is Germany. Uh, Trump warned them about uh, the Russian pipeline and this could happen. Uh, And then uh, Japan is also asking to have a more aggressive military. The uh, General MacArthur in the U.S. kind of took the Japanese military power away from them by constitution. They have a defense force in Japan that says because of the dangers that China poses, we want a more aggressive, uh, they have a defense force, but we want a more aggressive military arm, Navy and uh, and uh, Army. And so Japan is seeking to revise its well, station and its activities there. I wonder, I wonder if the people of that country would be ready to amend their constitution. I wonder what the method that they would have to do. Um, but I... I think it's something worth exploring, that's for sure. I I don't see Japan returning to the aggressive ways of its past as far as its military is concerned that they would be a, a threat to the United States. No. No. In fact, in fact there are defense forces in Japan, uh the US Navy, the US Army, the Marines, and the US Coast Guard has a base there too. So they're uh but uh, some Japanese want to get rid of that, too, and be more independent, because sometimes they've had trouble with uh, uh, military issues and personnel issues there. Uh, on the energy issue in Europe, I saw an article that uh, I kind of chuckled when I read it because it was full of irony, that it was in Italy. And Italy, of course, has these beautiful vistas of historic uh, sites that, you know, it, they're picturesque. And they're tourist hotspots because of the historic significance, some of the ruins, those sort of things. Uh, some of the larger manufacturing companies that are located near those areas are feeling the energy crunch because of what's happening and have had to curtail their operations because they can't get enough energy to run 24 hours a day. So they have switched over and now have become major proponents of adding wind power uh, 
Mm-hmm. And they want thousands and thousands of windmills erected across the countryside in this area of Italy, which has put them into a direct conflict with the people who live there and the people who are promoting tourism, which is another major uh, source of revenue for that country. And uh, they're having a big pitched battle now over uh, whether to pursue more renewable energy in that part of the world because they're worried it will destroy the uh, beautiful landscape views that uh, they've become accustomed to and have attracted so many visitors. Well, that's very interesting. In Hyannisport, Massachusetts, I remember the Kennedy families tried to keep those uh, wind farms out on the water away from their view, their vision. So, And then those have technological issues too and it's they're hard to dispose of and they break down too and they're hard to uh be you know uh, 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 earth conscious about once they fall apart so we'll see but uh and then uh, north korea is arming russian fighters with uh, their armament and our state department's complaining about that and our defense system complaining that takes a lot of guts why shouldn't uh, uh, other nations uh, align with Russia. It's tricky, but uh, but our uh, our State Department uh, and the Pentagon doesn't like that uh, North well, Korea arming Russian fighters with uh, armament. I'm, well, it works against our interests in, in that part of the world to have the North Koreans actively sending armed you know personnel into the Ukrainian conflict. We do have to run though, Tom. We're going to be out of time in a second here. One more note i saw that uh, vladimir putin we talked on tuesday about that airstrike using the HIMAR missiles against um the russian conscripts that had a high death toll and yeah. now apparently putin is blaming the conscripts because they were using their cell phones oh my gosh and apparently that he claims that is allowing them to uh target the missiles the signals coming off the cell phone. I wonder how well that will go over at home, blaming the soldiers for their yeah. deaths. You predicted a parental revolt uh, with those poor conscripts. Yeah. Well, over time, I think it might be inevitable. Tom, thanks again, and you have a great weekend. And we'll do this again next Tuesday. You bet. You too, Andy. That's Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. The, there's always time for the drive.